0: Welcome to Kensington. We are so glad that you have joined us today. My name is Shauna, and I'm the production manager at the Clinton Township campus. Now parents, go to our Kensington Kids Facebook page today and follow along. We have some activities that are just for them. Now last week we asked the kids to dress up like their dads on Father's Day and oh my goodness you guys did an amazing job. Thank you so much for sending in your pictures or tagging on us. You guys looked so great but I got to throw it out. Man, the Strotter family, you guys rocked. Congratulations, you are our winners. You guys looked fantastic. And I gotta say, that one little guy with the muscles, way to go, dude. Man, we are so glad that you guys did that and follow along today with the activities we have for you. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm actually in one of Kensington's auditoriums right now. It's my home campus, Clinton Township. And I got some pretty exciting things happening here today because guess what, you guys? We're doing a service together, okay? Like, hey, guys. Oh, my gosh. We are together, okay? This is amazing. We are so excited. We are actually doing a service together, and this is the best feeling in the world. But not only that, but I have some really big news to share with you. On July 12th, we are going to be reopening our permanent facilities for in-person services, you guys. This is so exciting. So, Orion, Troy, Clinton Township, man... July 12th, come, it's gonna be a party. Plus Clarkston, you're also opening on July 12th. Now Birmingham, don't worry, we did not forget about you, but we're still working out some details. And hopefully soon we'll be able to tell you a date when we will reopen for you guys. Now, we don't have exact service times and all that finalized, but stay tuned. We'll get to those as soon as possible. And the best way to stay informed is actually to go to our website, kensingtonchurch.org. And you can find about all the details and the information that you will need to know about re-entering into our buildings. Now, they are going to look a little different, okay? There's not going to be any coffee in the lobby like you're used to. So be sure if you're a coffee drinker, bring it from home or go through Starbucks or Tim Hortons on your way to church, okay? And there's not going to be any Kensington Kids or student activities. You're not even going to get a program and a pen to take notes with. It's going to look a little different. But we are also asking you that you would wear a face covering or a face mask just like our beautiful model ashley here doesn't she look great man she's smiling under that mask just so you know okay and we're also asking that you would follow our safety protocols of just where to sit and exiting and all that because we really do want to keep everyone safe that's going to be entering into our buildings so thank you guys for your patience during the season but we cannot wait, okay? Like, we cannot wait to see you face-to-face. It's going to be so amazing. We are so excited. Now, if you are new or newer to Kensington, I just want to say an extra special welcome to you. We are so glad that you have joined us today. And we would love the opportunity to be able to meet you. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're going to get to do that face-to-face, and we can't wait for that. But in the meantime, I would encourage you to go to kensingtonchurch.org hello, Or you can even text hello to the number below on the screen. And someone from our team will reach out to you and connect with you and just really talk about next steps and how you can get connected into the community here. Now, today is week three of our series called Rebuild. And through this series, we've been looking at the story of Nehemiah. Now, today, Jeremiah Roy and Dave Wilson will be teaching us and leading us through that. Now, they pre-recorded that message earlier this week at our Troy facility. And I got to tell you, it was so great to see the two of them together teaching in the same space. It's so good. And today, we're going to be led in music by this incredible team right here. Yes. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. We are so excited. So thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the service.
1: to bring about a universal soul cleansing. We war because we do not ask. We, because we do not have. We murder and premeditate unfathomable injustices by the driving force of hate. Because our trust is not in you. We long forgotten you and fail to acknowledge your existence. Give us, come live in us, and teach our world how to love again. We bring you back center. We pray your kingdom enter our hardened but burdened hearts, that your spirit mend and heal what has been ripped and torn apart by our hands and our selfish demands, Lord
2: can clap with us on this one. Here we go. Come on, let's clap it.
3: Now, yeah, that people gonna be okay. You know that storms never come to stay. Show us how bad we need each other. How bad we need each other. Whether we laugh or whether we grieve, I know both sides are gonna make us see. Yes, how bad we need each how other. Bad we need each how stones never come to stay how bad we need each other how bad we need we laugh or whether we grieve, I know both sides are gonna make us see. how bad we need each How bad we need each How bad we need Say it How bad we need each How bad we need each How bad we need each How bad we need How bad we need How Just our voices. How bad we. need How bad we need each other. How bad we need each other. How bad we need each other. Yeah, how bad we need each other. Where we at? How bad we need each other. How bad we need each other. How bad we need each other. How bad we need How bad we need each other.
4: So I tell you what, that song, incredible, wasn't it? Big time. I mean, how bad we need each other. I don't know if you caught this lyric in there, but it's like, when we go through storms, we find out how bad we need each other. That's the whole idea. And today we're talking about community and uh, doing life with other people and how important that is. I tell you what, not only is it storms that reveal how bad you need each other, when you move from one house to another, you find out how bad you need each other. Jeremiah, you probably know I'm pretty tight. Oh, yeah. So when we moved into the house we live in now 25 years ago, I was not going to hire a moving company because I don't want to spend the money. So I get my buddies, Detroit Lion mm-hmm. buddies, to help me move. So we got the U-Haul van, the whole thing. And I'll never forget, I'm up in my upstairs bedroom. And uh, I was hoping to get big Detroit Lions. The first guy that shows up is our kicker. And he was our kicker for 21 years, Jason Hansen. So he looks like me. We're about to say, in fact, yeah. he's been often, um, they thought he was me. He hates it because I'm 12 years older than him, but you know, we're little guys in a locker room and he's losing his hair. Sorry, Jason, he's one of my best friends. But I'll never forget, he told me like a year ago, he was at Costco and this woman comes up to him and goes, hey, I know who you are. And he's like, hey, you know, like a celebrity thing. He's like, hey, it's good to meet you. And she goes, I go to your church. (laughs) (laughs) So nuts. Anyway, Jason and I are trying to move a sleeper couch. Those are super heavy. Mm -hmm. I needed you. (laughs) <laughs> right, so we're, we're in our upstairs bedroom. We got to take this out and down the stairs and we couldn't do it We're picking it up and we're just struggling. Oh, it's man. super heavy and You got to keep the sleeper from going Can't out. do it. Yeah. And all of a sudden Luther Ellis shows up at the door and Luther's 6'6", 315 pounds, defensive tackle, and he just looks at us and he's like
5: <laughs> what you, guys, you guys, what are
4: you doing? <laughs> doing? We're like, oh, you think you could do this? And so we step away and literally he comes over, and I'm not kidding, grabs it by himself, picks, picks it, up, it up, turns it sideways, goes through the thing, down the stairs, and the whole time as he goes out the front door, everybody starts clapping, you know, me and Jason are walking behind him. And Jason is so funny, he goes, yeah, yeah, well, can he kick a football? I don't think so. <laughs> but but it was, you know, one of these memories in my life is like, there is no way I can do that by myself. No, There's no way Jason and I can do it by ourselves. We
6: all need help. We man, need help. Sometimes. And so today it's all about yeah.
4: community. Uh, You've got... Anything in your life where you oh,
6: couldn't do it by yourself? So many times. Well, one time I remember Marie and I were just dating. In fact, we met and got married nine months. And so she wanted me to meet. That's a bad,
4: bad idea, by the way. You should take some more time. <laughs> take
6: some. No, that's a separate yeah, marriage. Help, but yeah, <laughs> met, and got married nine months. Right. And so she it's uh, like, I want you to meet a ton of my family. So we go to this big open house for her cousin. Her cousin's graduating. She goes, you meet all my family there. It'll be amazing. So I'm like, awesome. So I'm out. I'm chatting. I'm networking. I'm talking to as many people as I can, man. And I'm just eating a ton of food as I go. And all of a sudden it hits me. My stomach starts growling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go to the bathroom.
4: (laughs) By the way, I've heard this story. You're not going (laughs) to believe what happens. I got out of the
6: bathroom, man. And uh, so i it's on the main level. Everyone's there. And they've got one of those pocket doors, right, in the in the hallway. And people are coming and going. I go to close the door. And it, it's got like half an inch, an inch won't close. I'm like, I can't get it to lock. I'm like, I can't do this. Somebody's <laughs> going to open the door at <laughs> this place. And that's going to be the first impression. I'm like, that's the guy, Jerry, uh, Maria's marrying, you know. Um, so I, I see downstairs to the basement. I'm like, I'm going to move this chair. I'm going to go downstairs. I tell my buddy, Michael, he's there with me. And I said, keep an eye out for me, man you know, because I can tell you're not supposed to be down here. So go downstairs, use the bathroom, flush, dude, not working. So I start panicking. I'm, I'm, and you, I did the number one thing you're not supposed to do, panic. And you hit the, you know, tab more and more and more, nothing's gone. So I yell and I go, I need help. He goes, what am I supposed to do? And I go, the toilet's broke. He goes, I'm not a plumber, you know, and I'm like, dude, we got to clean this up. My first impression. And so, you know, he brings over uh, bounty paper towel rolls And I'm, he, he just hands them me I'm like what am I supposed to do with these And all of a sudden it hit me I made mittens out of them I grabbed them And I made mittens on one hand and the other And you've seen the commercials Where like the kid spills juice And one little paper towel Cleans everything up right So I put them on And I went He goes what are you doing I went into the toilet And grabbed everything in there Took it out. Can you believe and Tell him Maria's gonna kill me. Too much
4: information. Uh, took it
6: out, threw it in the garbage can, and then I had to clean up, and I had him, I said, help me more, i got, I got water all over the floor, <laughs> so he throws me this big blue towel, and I'm cleaning everything up, and it's not a towel, it's got pockets, and I realize it's a robe. It's probably Maria's uncle's robe, man. I'm <laughs> cleaning it up, so I hang it back up. We get out of there. And I was like, "Man, thanks so much. You saved me big time." I tell Maria what I did, and I'm like, I, "I'm surprised she still married me after explaining the story." But if he hadn't been there, I would have panicked and destroyed their toilet, and it would have been a mess. It was a mess. Can't believe I just said that. But yeah, so we I can't need help.
4: believe that's the story we use to set up this point. And today is really is we're in week three of rebuild, which is the story of Nehemiah, yeah. who rebuilt the rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And today's all about we can't do anything by ourselves. We mm-hmm. need others. To help us. Two crazy stories to introduce that topic, but let me just set this up a little bit. As, as you've heard in the last couple of weeks, we've got Nehemiah who walks in to Jerusalem and the walls have been down for 114 years, right? And, and so we think, you know, a city without walls, no big deal. Here, here's what it's like. It's, it's like living in a very dangerous neighborhood with no doors or windows, That's what it was like, because people were attacking Jerusalem. They had no way to protect themselves. So for 114 years, they have no walls. For 72 years, they've tried to rebuild the walls. They haven't got it done. Jeremiah gets this angst from God to say, I've got to do this. And it's an amazing book, because Jeremiah leads a team of people, a lot of people, to rebuild the walls. You know how many days?
6: Did it quick, man. 52, 52 days. days. 52 yeah. days. You 50 talk days. about a,
4: a book on leadership, vision, how to get things yeah. done in a community. This is your book. And so it's pretty amazing. But just to set up where we're going today, because today's all about yeah. the power of many over the power of one. Mm-hmm. And so let me give you a, a, just a little background that you've already heard. He was the cupbearer to the king. He's not a construction guy. Not at all. He's never yeah. built walls before. He's just a He's got a very important role in the the parliament, but he is not made to do this, and yet God uses him. And some of you think, God can't use me. I'm not in vocational ministry like you guys. God can use you. He yeah, wants he to use you. In fact, sometimes we get jealous that we don't get to work in the secular world mm-hmm. like you do because you have opportunities we don't do. So don't So ever think God can't use you. He used Jeremiah to, I mean. Nehemiah. He used, hey, he's using Jeremiah. He's using and Jeremiah, Jeremiah and Started Nehemiah. with
6: Nehemiah, then Jeremiah. But he
4: uses yeah. Nehemiah to do something he wasn't even meant to do. He yep. wakes up at night thinking about these walls, and he's like, they've got to be rebuilt. Mm. That's called holy discontent. That yeah. was week one. What is it in your life that gets you up at night? That is God placing something on you that he wants you to be the solution to. Third thing I wrote down was this. Um, there uh, There were no walls for all these years, and here's the thing. There were unbelievable lessons that we're gonna learn today. We're gonna give you three, but look at this. At the very beginning of the book, in chapter two, Nehemiah discovers his purpose. Let me read it to you. It said, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart, so the king realizes there's something in Jeremiah excuse me, something in Nehemiah 's soul that is bothering him. that 's called a holy discontent. I believe God put that there, and it goes on to say this. He says, "I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed wow. by fire? so he's telling him. I think we got to do something about this. Look at this. Verse 4 says, The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God, to the God of heaven. By the way, it's very important. Pray first. Mm-hmm. I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the, it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, mm-hmm. let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. He discovers it right there. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. he knows not only when he was born, but why he was born. That's right. Mark Twain said that. The two most
6: important days of your life. The day you were born, we all celebrate that. Everybody has birthdays. You've had drive-by birthdays in this pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. But the day you were born and the day you find out why. I, when we were talking about this, Dave, for me, it was just a little over 10 years ago and it hit me. This is just before we actually made the shift out of doing mortgages uh, into ministry, actually. And I grew up from the age of 11 till almost 28. My mom was a a bad alcoholic my home was a mess i mean it was just like dysfunction and crazy and we tried everything from rehabs and counselors and you name it not that those are bad things but none of those things changed my family's direction until jesus came in and i've realized for maria and i uh, i was just thinking about this uh, a couple nights ago i was out i've got three boys and we've got a little girl that we're fostering at home uh, but i have three boys around this little bonfire and i had no lighter fluid and I ran over to the neighbor, and I'm like that yeah, lighter fluid. He's like, no, he had some gas. So I, <laughs> I, put gas in a cup. I feel like I'm telling one story after another. That's yeah. like not good. Your stories are a lot uh, uh, similar here, oh, man. Yeah. So I, I throw the gas down, and it blows up. And the boys love it. <laughs> and uh, Maria's like, "What are you doing?" But I just, I, in that moment, I'm like, "God, thank you so much for rescuing my family." He changed the legacy. My mom has been sober over 10 years now. My family's not perfect, but when you're with my family now. You can tell there's the presence of God there. With my my dad and I connect, we hang out. It's unbelievable. And so, like my my point, my purpose, no matter what I'm doing, is to let people know that Jesus Christ changes your life for the better. No doubt about it. I mean, I'm convinced of it. So it's, that's for me.
4: Yeah, and it's pretty amazing as I listen to you share your story. It's mm-hmm. very. It's like you're me. Yeah. Twenty years from now, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what your age is. Forty but, right now. Yeah. Yeah. So twenty-two years ago. Yeah. I've got three sons, they're all married now, I've got five grandkids, and very similar, alcoholic yeah. parents, divorce, adultery. Mm-hmm. And I knew when Ann and I got married, I didn't know it at that moment, but I had a sense that God wanted to do something in me to help change the legacy of the Wilson name. Wow. And uh, many of you may know this if you've read our book Vertical Marriage, but in chapter one we talk mm-hmm. about it on our wedding night, got on our knees before we crawled in our wedding bed and we prayed this prayer, Ann and I. God, we're not asking you for a good marriage, but a great marriage that will one day impact the world for your kingdom. Mm -hmm. Those are literally almost word for word what we prayed. Never knowing, because as we got into our marriage and it was really bad and hard, and Ann at year 10 said, I'm out, you know, I'm done. Never thinking, it was almost like God didn't answer that prayer. And yet now it's like God saved our marriage. And I mean, think about this. We sit in a radio studio and do daily radio now And a million people listen to it a month. It's crazy Crazy. to help rebuild families. So that's my purpose. I know God didn't want to just save the Wilson family. He wants to save others through what God's done us. And same thing he's doing in you, Jeremiah. It's just, it's powerful. And when you know why you're on this planet, it changes everything. Everything. It's like, I have purpose. So now I have direction. And here's the thing. It changes your legacy. Because it isn't just about you, Mm -hmm. it's then about what you leave. And so we go back to Nehemiah. He knew in that moment, I'm supposed to rebuild the walls. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm not skilled at this, but I've got to speak this out loud. And by the way, you got to speak your purpose out loud. Yeah, you do. And then you got to act on it. And when he acts on it, we discover three life lessons. Okay, there's three life lessons here. They all sort of deal with this idea of the power of many over the power of one. But they're just beautiful lessons. Here's the first one that Jeremiah just really, we, we talked this through, and I think these will, and by the way, teach these to your kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you right now, and kids, if you're there listening, Lean write in. these down. Parents, I'm telling you, these are life lessons, not just for you, but for your kids. First one is this. God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. Love that. Where do we get that idea? Well, I'll show you. It's pretty interesting. Now, you know, obviously Nehemiah wasn't perfect, but when you start to read through chapter three and chapter four, you start to see this description. It's pretty sort of strange of all these names of people that Jeremiah—I mean, excuse me—I keep saying you, man—that <laughs> okay. Nehemiah actually <laughs> recruited to build the wall. Let me read you just one part of it, and this goes on for a whole chapter. The whole chapter. Yeah. The whole chapter. Yeah, I can't even then. pronounce half these names, and I'm not going to. But I'll just read you a couple of verses. In verse uh, chapter three, it says the repairs next to him. So they're all doing this side by side a- across this wall in Jerusalem. So the repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. By the way, priests aren't trained to build walls, but they're building walls. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashap made repairs in front of their house. And next to them, Azariah, the son of Messiah and the son of Ananiah made repairs be- beside his house. Now, why are all these names in here? Well, here's the deal. He's telling you who's... Rebuilding this wall, and they do it in front of their house, by the way. This is a great strategic lesson. Yeah, it is. Why does Nehemiah say build the wall in front of your house? Because he knows they're going to care about that part of the wall because they're protecting their house. By the way, let me say to you parents, are you protecting your family? Mm -hmm. Are you standing at the door of your front house and protecting your family in this world? That's your call. Anyway, it's a whole other thing, right? I can get off of it. No, no, it's good, though. But here's the thing. Were these people construction people? No. Did they have a construction firm? No. They were just... Laymen, that God had given them a purpose through Nehemiah, and they—here's what they are—they're not perfect. They're available. They didn't say no; they said yes. And I'm telling you, God doesn't need perfect people. There aren't any. The only perfect person ever lived was Jesus. We're all flawed. We're all imperfect. All He's asking from you and from me is: Are you available? Are you willing to say yes to me? when I called. Let me tell you something. When you say yes, the adventure begins. And it's scary sometimes. I'll, <clears throat> I'll tell you, I live with a woman, Ann. Many of you know Ann. She is a yes-to-God woman. I mean, she has gotten us into more stuff. We had our first meal ever in this pandemic in Nashville on our way to do radio in Little Rock. And as we're walking back to the hotel, there's a homeless woman. We buy her everything we can. We, I mean, that's just Ann. She just is always listening to God. God wants to talk to this homeless woman and and help her out, and we did. But I, I got to tell you, some of you have heard this story if you're at Orion. but this is one of these classic Ann moments. She's driving home a couple years ago to our house in Rochester, and she's talking to her dad on the phone. Her dad's 90 years old, talk every day. And as she's driving down Tinkin Road, she sees this older woman on sitting down by the edge wow. of the road, and not on the sidewalk, but right by the road. And again, out of, out of the side periphery, she sees that. She's talking to her dad, and she senses God says to her, not an audible voice, just the spirit of God who lives in her, lives in you, lives in me, nudges her to say, go back and take care of that woman. And she's so in tune to the voice of God. She says to her dad, hey, dad, I got to hang up. I think I got to go back and take care of this woman. You got to appreciate Ann's dad. He says, what are you doing? There's this woman back there. I don't know what's going on, but I feel like God wants me to go tell you. He goes, leave me on the phone. I want to hear about this. So yeah. <laughs> she puts him on the speakerphone. He goes back there and there's a long story, but the short is this. She says, hey, can I help you? And this woman says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Uh, my home is right over here. Gets in the car. Uh, where do you live? Oh, it's just right over here. Starts to drive and the woman gets confused. And Anne starts to realize because her mom has dementia that this woman she picked up has dementia. Because when she pulls out her license <clears throat> to see where she lives, she lives in Hazel Park. We're in Rochester. And she says, I just went for a little walk. She's like, she doesn't live where she used to live long story short Anne mm. discovers that she has a daughter who lives a block from where they are and she's like i think she's probably living there yeah, and again yeah. i'm leaving a lot of details out funny details like hey what's in your purse oh i've got a bra and this woman <laughs> says you Nick, gotta always be prepared anyway <laughs> they drive up Ann drives up to this house that she had the address admist- in the block and she drives up there's a police car there all these cars there She realizes something's going on. As she pulls up, the son of this woman runs out. He's a 40, 50-year-old man. Runs out of the house and says, Mom, you found my mom. And then Ann gets out of the car and he looks at her and he goes, Ann Wilson, of course it's Ann Wilson. (laughs) And Ann's like, "Uh, do I know you? He goes, I go to Kensington. We just prayed. We literally just prayed that God would send an angel to find my mom. Of course he sends you. You're the angel. Um, so I mean think about this all God did uh, all Ann did, was say God I'm available. You want me to go back and take care She has no idea what this means and God t- you say yes to God, He takes care of the rest. I don't know what it's going to look like. It may not be a story like that, but I'll tell you something. Steve Andrews, Mark Nelson, and Dave Wilson said yes to God thirty years ago and here we are. I don't know what God wants you to do, but he just needs availability. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He just needs to say God. I'm willing to follow you wherever you call me to go and the rest is up to him. And when yeah. you do, there's an adventure that waits. Nehemiah had no idea. No idea. There's going to be a book written about him and we're going to teach this for generations to come because he said yes. The question is, Will you say yes? So that's just life lesson number one. That's
6: number one, just saying yes. But And I didn't know even at the moment what he was saying yes to. Right. But as he discovers, this is gonna be an extraordinary thing, like an extraordinary feat to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem is unthinkable for people, like Dave said, that weren't trained or skilled to do it at all. And so our next point is this, the extraordinary happens. Like, and the extraordinary, I'm telling you, is happening when these walls are going up, right? Is when this, when me... Meets we when the me me meets we right. And before we do that, we're going to go ahead and uh, take our offering right now too. And want to tell you, so many uh, have been so generous, and we're so thankful for that. Um, And some of you, uh, if you're not able to give right now, we love that you're part of our community, and if there's a way we can be a blessing to you, we want to do that. And so you'll find uh, there's going to be a sign up here that you can give by texting. You can do it on the app. That only takes a few seconds, uh, or you can do it online too. And thank you so much. Your generosity is changing lives. Uh, And it's really this, it's really the story of this, that the power of one doesn't get anything done, but it's the power of many that makes such a huge difference. Yeah, I mean,
4: even when you think about this offering moment, and I know some of you right now are going online and you're Mm -hmm. giving, because here's the thing, thousands of you have been giving through this pandemic. Unbelievable. And if just one gave, nothing great could happen. But the power of many, even in an offering moment, it's powerful because we're a family or a community. And if you've never given before, you can join that and, and thank you for doing that. It's a, It's been a real blessing. But here here's yeah. the thing I don't know if you've ever done this, Jeremiah. I have not. I've no used thing. this illustration a few times, but I've got a, a pack of pencils there. Brand new, looks like. Yeah, I just yep, did. Okay. Never been touched. Brand I need new. you to pull got out em. one pencil. Okay. And by the way, kids, do this at home right now. Go get kids. a pencil. Actually, go get uh, 10 or 15 pencils if you can. Go, and go, do this go, very go. Thing. Get them. All right, because here's the little illustration It shows you the power of, of many over the power of one. Can you break that in half? It's a number two pencil. I don't know if you're strong enough, Jeremiah. It's like you, uh, you know, maybe you've been... Uh, yeah. yeah, there we you go. You did there it! There we, go. we <laughs> go! There we go. Okay. Oh. That was pretty simple. Oh, All right. man. Now pull out. There's 23 left in that packet of 24 that I just bought. You just bought. Dude. Two bucks, four bucks for that thing. Now here's the deal. I can see you've been watching my workout videos. I you have. You're my tra- buff- People don't know this. Yeah. Dave Wilson's my trainer.
5: Yeah. yeah for no, sure. No, that is not true.
4: That's <laughs> but Here's the deal. And you may be able to do this, but no, I've never seen know. anybody could break 23 pencils. I, I don't think so. Just by strength.
6: No, I don't. I don't. Th- Maybe over my knee, but no, I you can't, can't do it. I can't. I can't do it. I mean, I again, <laughs> it's simple. God.
4: It's just a visual. And, and kids, I'm telling you, try and get your mom or dad or your brother or sister to break more than one pencil. One is easy because one alone can be snapped, but community... It's powerful. Powerful. Totally powerful. And strong.
6: Absolutely. And so Nehemiah recognizes this. I want to take you to the spot and pick up on the story here. And it starts here. Uh, it's chapter two. And so Nehemiah is, like Dave said, he's at this burden. He's excited. He's figuring out his purpose to rebuild the walls. And then it goes here, he says, Then I said to them, he's surveying the city. He's there now, he's been in Jerusalem for three days. He's surveying the city. And he comes up to a group of people because he realizes something that we all need to realize too, that God's going to invite you to do something that's an adventure, out of control, but he's not going to ask you to go it alone. Never alone. Never alone. Does this. He says, Then I said to them, right, to them, he begins to approach people. You see the trouble we are in? He shares the burden. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us, you hear that verbiage again, right? Us, you and I, me to the we, rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. He says, I also told them, he continues to emphasize this, about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us, I love this, the reply from them, they move from the me to the we. Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Nehemiah hits them, he goes, I gotta go from the me to to the we, there's no way I can do this on my own. I think this, Dave, I think this is one of the most, to me, inspirational and incredible things about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it is not a gospel of exclusivity. It's not excluded for like the prestigious, it's not excluded for the wealthy, it's not that all, it's the gospel of inclusivity. Mm-hmm. By very nature, Jesus Christ died for the world, not just for this part of the world, the whole world, right? We see this in John three sixteen. it's clear, Jesus came for all of us. And this gospel of inclusivity, by very nature, God's not just inviting a few of us, he's inviting all of us to be part of his work in the kingdom of God. I think that's huge. I um, There's a gentleman named uh, David Strubler. Do you know who he is? Yeah. Goes there, can't, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, so David Strubler, professor at Oakland University of Organizational uh, Behaviorism, and just um, unbelievable guy. And he did, he writes for Psychology Today often, and he wrote an article called the, Declara- the New Declaration of Interdependence. Not independence. Independence, right, was when we were trying to free away from tyranny and get away, and it was a good thing. We find freedom, right? But this is the new declaration of interdependence. And in this article, he begins to like, man, line up, it's so good. And I was reading it. In fact, he wrote it a year ago on June 23rd. So maybe just like a week from now, right? Uh, he wrote this article and he talks about this truth. The fact that we are in a country right now that we, the average, he say he makes a quote, the average person has 1.5 good friends, mm-hmm. 1.5. Like in that loneliness of all the epidemics that are going on right now, loneliness is one of the biggest epidemics that's going on, is that we weren't designed to be like just independent and isolationist, that we're actually designed to be interdependent, like next to each other. And we call this one of our values at Kensington, that it's, we say this, that in Christ we find our identity, under scripture we find authority, but as a family. Nehemiah is realizing from the me to the we that we're supposed to do things as a family. This is where we find community. I mean, stop and think about like the greatest you know, wedding you've been to if it was only two people there. You know, or like a birthday party, which is you celebrating. By the way,
4: that's what weddings are like right now. Well, I know they kind of few people.
6: Right well, now. there's people on Zoom with you. Right. Sorry if right. that happens. So right. we're with you in spirit, right? But that's going. to... I remember Marie and I uh, a couple of years ago. We celebrated our anniversary, and um, we're going to be married 17 years this November. By the way, so this uh-huh. couple of years back,
4: and way somebody after a
6: nine month courtship. That's yeah, pretty good. That's pretty good, man. We're making it, um, and so we're we're hanging out in Greektown and uh, somebody got us a hotel there, and I said, let's just pop down and play the slot machines one time. I'm spilling my guts, man, about everything. Kids, do not do this. Do not do this, right? We never do. Parents, and so we just do not do don't this. Don't do this. We, just, we did. And so uh, I, I'm at a distance, and she, all of a sudden, I hear this, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She's screaming. I, I look over, and the machine's going off. and I go, oh, my gosh. Kids, do this. I go, this we just good. won a 100 grand or a million dollars. I run over, and I, everybody's celebrating. I look around, and she only ran, she only won $22. <laughs> Everybody begins to walk away like, what are you being hysterical about? But that moment we were together and I, I just talk about the power of being together. And I just think about like for us, we're fostering. We've had people, because we just took in this little baby girl. We've had people bring us meal after meal after meal. It's been unbelievable, man. And just the power of community. And I realized, I'm like, we couldn't do this by ourselves. We had an amazing lady that came and and took her and just kept her for overnight because Marie and I weren't sleeping. She's up every two hours eating and eating and eating. We're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And without community, you wouldn't be able to do this, man. And so this is what I want to say. You see this through scripture all the time, the book of Acts. In fact, the New Testament says to love one another, bear one another's burdens, care for one another. A hundred times it says this. Dave, this brings me, it's so interesting uh, because we're at Troy campus today, right? We're filming it's been about five years back. I came to this campus and I uh, left the church I was at and wanted to plant a church. And I met a guy named Greg Gibbs. Some of you might know him. Dave knows Greg really well. And so I walk up there with a friend of mine and we're interviewing about church planning. And uh, and so Greg... Greg was like the director of church planting. Yes.
4: So he's going to help you.
6: He's going to help. And he is, he? he is Mr. Strategy. He's oh, on yeah. it. So he looks across the table and he says, well, Jeremiah, do you have a name of a, uh, the church you want to plant? And I said, well, no. And, he said, well, do you have a, a core team with you, right? And I said, no. And, and Greg's very polished and just, yeah. I mean, super, super sharp, amazing guy. I said, no. And he said, what about this? Do you have a financial plan? I said, no. And he said, do you have a location? I said, no, no, we don't. You know, and, and I'm answering no consecutively to every, every question he's asking. If I look over at Kevin and you would have thought in that moment, I would have said, we need your help. And I didn't. I look over and I go, man, I appreciate your time. I think we're going to be Okay. <laughs> So we walked down three floors, go out in the parking lot, get in the car, shut the doors, and I look at Kevin. I go, dude, we don't know the name of our church. We don't know where the location's gonna be. We don't have a core team. We don't have a financial plan. We don't even know where we're gonna go. And we ran back in the building, and I said, I am so sorry. I need your help. I've gotta move from me to we. Uh, and he, um, he introduced us to Mark Nelson. I'm telling you, Mark saw this passion, this burden that was in my heart, like mm-hmm. Nehemiah had, and he did, and I told my story. And he said, he looks across me, goes, it looks like you need some help with this. And I did. And moving from that me to we changed Marie and I's life forever. Uh, Our Clarkston campus exists because we went from me to we and we're a family on mission, man. And I love it. And I just feel like what Nehemiah is saying here, this is so powerful. God's gonna invite you to something that's incredible, that's going to be out of this world that you could not even think of or imagine? Like you and Mark and Dave, you, you guys didn't think that this was going to happen, multi-campus, huge church. It would have
4: never happened no. by any one of us alone. No, not at we all. We didn't have what it required, but together, yeah, together. just like you at Clarkson, yes. each one of our the same thing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what yeah. you know, Nehemiah realized. There's no way No way. he could do this. He had a, he had a whole army of people. So you got the first two life lessons? Yes. First one is God's not looking for perfect people, but available people. Yeah. I love this one. Extraordinary happens when we go from me, me we. meets we. Yeah. You want to see something great happen in your life, you need people in your life. Yeah, you do. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's scary to step out of that bubble and go seek that. But the greatest gift God's ever given me in my life, besides Jesus and my wife, are the families we've done life with for the last yeah. 30 years. What a gift. Yeah. Here's one last lesson, and it's a key one. One of my favorite verses in the whole book of Nehemiah is in chapter four, and and the, and the lesson basically is this: Don't look at the size of your problem, look at the size of your God. Wow. Don't look at the size of your problem, and that's our tendency, and usually our problems are pretty big, hmm. but what we forget is our God's bigger. So don't look at the size of your problem, look at the size of your God. Here's what happens in chapter four: What's going on in the backstory here? And don't have time to read all the verses, but they are attacked. There are people outside Jerusalem that do not want these walls yeah. built because they want to come in and pillage the city like they've been doing. So as these walls start to be built, they start attacking. I mean, one of the guys named Sam Ballot sounds like the name of a rock band, this yeah. dude. And he's bringing armies in. And so literally, it's pretty amazing Nehemiah says, you got to build the wall with a tool in one hand to build the wall and a weapon in the other hand to defend yourself. So they're under attack Mm -hmm. and they're getting discouraged. In fact, they're almost wanting to quit because it's too hard. The problem is so big, they're, they're, they're really struggling with discouragement. And here's what, look at what Nehemiah says. Key verse, he says, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. So this is this moment. It's the locker room moment. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, guys, I got to say something because we're going to lose this thing unless you understand this. Mm -hmm. So look what he says. Don't be afraid of them, which, by the way, they are afraid of them, and you and I would be too. He says, don't be afraid. And you got to be like, why wouldn't we be afraid? Because this is scary. He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Wow. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. That's powerful. So what's he say? Remember, look at this the Lord who is great and awesome." Mm-hmm. This is a key visionary moment for Nehemiah as a leader. He's like, I've got to remind our people, I think they've forgotten this, and Nehemiah could forget it as well, and I know you and I forget it. Yeah, we do. God is great and awesome. Yeah. And we can look at problems in our life that loom large and be afraid, or we can choose to trust there is a God who loves us, who's with us. So You, you and I have a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Every day, choose to be live in fear, paralyzed, anxiety, worry, can't sleep at night mm-hmm. or choose to say, even though I don't know or feel or see him, he's here, he's big, he's awesome, he's yeah. great, and he can work on my behalf, right? Absolutely. And man. so we have a situation in our life where it's like, okay, am I going to choose to fear or see God show up in a big way?
6: And Trust God. I, it's interesting. I was just I was sharing this with Dave a little while back, but this little baby girl that's with us right now. So Marie and I uh, been praying for a little girl for a long time, for years, and uh, after miscarriages and things of like that. Um, so we decided to jump in with foster care, and uh, so we had one this amazing, sweet little girl that was with us for nine months, and uh, and she she transitioned and she's with her little brother now, which is amazing. But it was super hard, man. Honest, like I didn't realize we were going to grieve losing her. Mm. And so weeks are going by, and we're getting discouraged, and Maria's thinking we're never going to be able to take care of a little girl. This is never going to happen. And we're calling, we're calling. And, you know, asking, do you have any placements? Is there any little little baby girls we can take care of? You know, uh, I don't know where, like literally a week ago um, on Sunday, we got a phone call. And uh, we get a phone call and says, hey, we've got this little girl. Can you come pick her up? And we do. We jump in the car. We go to Detroit. Uh, we pick up this amazing little girl. And it's here's the wild thing. Here's how big God is. Because only God could have orchestrated this when I tell you this. So this little girl happened to be the baby sister of the previous little girl we had. And the people that were there, not only that, the people that were there that were helping us transition to her were the same people that got the other girl before. And the lady almost her eyes start welling up, bursting tears, and we're like, this is like unheard of. This doesn't happen like this. Hmm. And Marie and I were just reminded, we're like, God, you're so big. Like you've got this worked out. I just have to say yes and be available. I'm gonna go from the me to the we and our community man, and I'm gonna watch how big you are. Yeah. Like my problem, I can't figure this out on my own, but you. You got this. Yeah,
4: you have to be it's reminded, like... and some of you've heard me. You're probably sick of hearing me after 30 years of preaching in <laughs> nah. this church. But one of my—if Steve Andrews was watching right now, he knows what I'm going to say. One of my life lessons is the size of your God will determine the outcome of your life. Wow, it's really true. If you're a big Godder or a little Godder, and what's that mean? God's big, but we can, you know, shrink him down. But if we live life with a big God, there's there's results in our life that are tied to trusting him and living uh, in faith rather than in fear. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in high school, A buddy of mine who played on my high school football team named Bob was in the front seat. We're driving, and this guy with a family somehow cut us off. Long story short, I got mad. I was a punk kid, and I drove up in front of him and slowed down to get him mad. This is a little town in Finley, Ohio. And I looked in the rearview mirror, and he's yelling and screaming and trying to hit my bumper, and so we're on, right? We got this little thing going, and as we kept going, I realized this guy's, like, out of control. It got, like, scary. I'm like, dude, look at this guy. He's and so he got in front of me and he was slowing down and trying to make me hit him. And finally I'm like, I gotta get out of this. This is this is getting out of control. So as he went past this this street, I just whipped into the subdivision. And he'd already passed this. I'm like, I turned to Bob like, man, that got that got scary. I'm glad that's yeah. over. Well, as I'm pulling down the subdivision, he went up and came to, and he starts coming in the subdivision. And I'm not kidding, he's coming at me like 50 miles an hour in a neighborhood. There's kids. Wow. And I'm like, you know like he's gonna ram me so I end up pulling up like into somebody's front yard and I stop the car he jumps out of the car and starts running at me I put in a reverse start he grabs me through the windshield I should have had it up he grabs me through the windshield and I'm like in trouble so I just put it in parking and then somehow I jumped out of the car and I've been running away from him, and he's chasing Jeez. me and I'm scared cuz yeah. this guy's bigger than me he's an adult man and I'm like okay I got into some I shouldn't I've got hey dude Chill out. I'm sorry. He goes, you yeah, let me tell you. He starts yelling. And so he's coming at me. And all of a sudden, he's like this. And then he stops. And he just goes, OK, yeah, OK, we're good. And I'm like, you know, he just changed. I'm like, "What happened?" we're good? All his aggression went away. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, I turn. And Bob was standing behind me. Now, what I didn't tell you about Bob is he played offensive line for our high school football team. He was 6'7", almost 300 pounds. <laughs> we used to call him Big Bob. Right. So when Big Bob stood behind me, this dude got scared and he started mm-hmm. to walk away. And so when I saw that Bob was behind me, my whole demeanor changed. I'm yep. like, yeah,
5: you better get out of here.
4: You know you were wrong. And he gets back in his car and leaves. And I thought later, look what happened to yeah. me when I realized Big Bob was with me. Wow. I went from fear and timidity to confidence. And I acted totally different. And I thought, here's the thing. Big Bob can't be with me 24 7 big God can. And I'm telling you, the size of your God determines the way you and I live. And I wrote this down as this last thought. I said, the the, the way we live is a direct (laughs) consequence of the size of our God. Let me tell you something. If you and I wake up tomorrow morning and our God is too small, we will live in fear and anxiety. We will not be generous with our money because it depends on our own financial security. We will not take risks because we got to take care of ourselves. But if we wake yeah. up tomorrow morning and we serve a big God who is awesome and great as Nehemiah said, it changes everything. So here's the last action point. I challenge you to join us to worship God because how do you get your, your view of God reset? You worship God. What's that mean? Here, I'll give you three yeses. Study the word of God. That's worship. When you read about God, I do this all the time. When I'm reading the word of God, often I'll be like, I don't know if you've ever done this. It's like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> he's amazing. amazing. He's Look at amazing. what he did. Yeah. I have forgotten. I've shrunk him down. It's like. Yeah. So I would say study. Here's the second thing I would say. Sing. When we sing worship songs that praise God and say he's great and awesome, it resets our view of God. Yeah. Sometimes I sing what I believe. Other times I sing until I believe. I mean, think about these, these words. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Some of you are old enough to remember when we started Kensington, we used to sing a song called Awesome God. Our God is, is an awesome, awesome God. God. He reigns from, from heaven, heaven above. above. Look at Jeremiah. Singing. You like that? We, we should be worshiping. I mean, or or yeah. recently we've been singing yeah. Waymaker, yeah. Miracle Worker, yeah. Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, That yeah. Is Who You Are. When we sing those kind of songs, and I do this every day, yeah. it resets our view of God. And then the last thing I'll say, I told you three S's, study, sing, step. You got to step. Step out in faith. You got to go. You can't just read and sing. Worship is not just singing. Worship is living Mm -hmm. and following God wherever. When you say yes, God's going to take you on an adventure to change your life. And I'm telling you this, and I'm going to pray for you. God has been calling some of you to rebuild something in your life, just like Nehemiah. You know what it is. It's maybe been, he's been talking to you for months or years. I hope today's the day you go, okay, I've been serving a God who's too small. I've been looking at a a problem that's too big. My God is bigger than that problem. My God is ever present and he's my help and I'm gonna step into my family and rebuild this. I'm gonna step into my job. I'm gonna step into my faith and rebuild this thing because God wants to do something great. He just yeah. needs you to be available in a team of we yep. and then step out in just small little tiny faith in a big, huge God, and he'll do something great. There you will. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would reveal yourself in a beautiful way to us this week. Yeah. I know there are people listening right now who, man, they're stuck in the middle of something that looms so big in their lives. It's so hard, and I've been there, and yet you're bigger than that. And I know it's hard, but you are there and you are with them and you want to rebuild something in them and through them. And so, God, I pray that we would trust you like never before and we would follow you wherever you're leading. And, God, you would do something we could never do. And, Lord, I pray that we would not do this alone, but we do this in community just as Nehemiah did. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you are an awesome, majestic, holy, righteous, loving, tender Father. Yeah. We worship you and you alone.
2: In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we're going to sing a song first. We're actually going to sing two songs together. The first one, we're just going to sing the verse and the chorus of is a song called Sons and Daughters. And I think that one thing that is beautiful about the picture of the gospel is, is that we belong to each other and we all together belong to Christ because we each are sons and daughters of the Most High King, loved equally and each valuable beyond measure in his sight. And so even though sometimes we might not get it right and sometimes we might stumble, the Lord Makes us perfect before Him through the sacrifice of His Son Jesus. And because when we are reconciled to each other and when we are reconciled to Christ, the Lord can take impossible situations and make a way out of no way. So, with the second song we're going to sing is Waymaker. So, I really want to invite you, no matter where you are, to step into this and sing this with us. We may not be physically together, but that's coming real quick. But what we can do is lift our voices and fix our hearts on Jesus together. Let's do that and let's sing this song out.
7: darkness. My God, that is who you are. Cause you are here. Your turning eyes around. I worship you. Oh, Jesus, I worship you. You never stop working You never stop You never stop working Cause even even when when I don't see it You're working
0: maker probably my favorite part of that song is that even when you can't see it or you can't feel it that he is still at work he is and I want to encourage you today wherever God is maybe stirring your heart of the areas of your life that he wants to rebuild I encourage you to step into that whether it's just a tiny little step or it's a giant leap know that he goes before you and that he is with you and that he is your big God he is your way maker And if right now you're going, oh, that's great, but I really just need someone to pray with or to talk with, our team is here for you today, right now. So go online to kensingtonchurch.org, click that little chat icon bubble, and someone will be with you momentarily to pray with you and to talk with you. And know that God is going ahead of you today and throughout this next week. And take those steps, just like we talked about in the service today, He wants to do something. He wants to rebuild in your life. And I would invite you to come back next weekend as we conclude this series, Rebuild. It's going to be a great weekend. And, you guys, we hope to see you on July 12th in person in one of our buildings. We cannot wait for that. So thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks.